So we are um, looking at Isaiah 9, verses 6 and 7, because we want to be a people that are centred on Jesus all the time, but so much so more at Christmas, because it is the time, is it not, to be centred on Jesus for us and to give an alternative to the uh, materialistic, pagan celebration that is Christmas. So, Jesus. We centred on Jesus. So, um, let's read uh, together um, Isaiah uh, chapter 9 and verse 6. You might, well, I know we've sung it already, but it'd be good to read it out together. You might want to stand to read so that you can expand your... So, or not, it's up to you. So after three then, three. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Amen. So we want to be getting that into us, uh, reading it, memorising it, meditating it on it because it's the good news of our king and his kingdom. Jesus is the king of kings and lord of lords and he's bringing his kingdom in in the now but ultimately that future. We have got a sure and certain hope of the kingdom that lasts forever. We're part of that. If we really believe that, it should affect the way we live today. Amen. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Everyone say, Wonderful Counselor. So today, that's what we're going to be looking at, a Wonderful Counselor. Just say it again one more time. Wonderful Counselor. Lovely. So, at the time when um, Isaiah is, uh, is writing, we find that the people are in a bad way. And uh, they, basically, they've turned away from God. They listen to lies. They turn from the blessing that God wants for them. So the people were in darkness and distress. Darkness and distress. Doom and gloom. Despair. They were in oppression. They were uh, oppressed Uh, Sin was powerfully at work in their lives and they needed help. They needed help from their despair. They needed help from their, their doom and gloom. They needed a king. They needed a wonderful counselor. That is what they needed. So they're in doom and gloom and the good news comes, nevertheless... So there's doom and gloom, nevertheless, there will be no more gloom. That is good news to hear when you're in a place of doom and gloom. If you're in a place of doom and gloom and despair and hopelessness today, there is 
good news. There will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. In the past, he, God, humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Nataphli. But in the future, he will honour Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of deep darkness. A light has dawned. Good news. It's good news. So in that same geographical region that is full of doom and gloom and despair and darkness, in the future it will be honoured. Galilee of the Gentiles by the way of the sea, along the Jordan, it was fulfilled when Jesus came along and ministered in Capernaum near the major highway from Egypt to Damascus called the Way of the Sea. Great light, great light. Jesus, the light of the world, brings salvation that would be light for all, for those that were Jews and those that weren't, the Gentiles, the non-Jews. The king will come and he will change everything. The king with his kingdom brings good news. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor. He's Wonderful King. Now, in the English that we, like what we do speak, English, Wonderful, I found out, is an adjective. That means it's a describing word. So the other day I had some cake, and I thought that cake, it was wonderful. It means to me that that cake was extremely good. It inspired my taste buds. It delighted me. It brought me great pleasure. I admired this cake. It was wonderful. And I suppose if you've ever seen one of those cakes that have got all that flash icing on, you could even admire that cake. You would think it was wonderful, wouldn't you? You would think the cake was marvellous. However, Hebrew is different. In the Hebrew, it's not a describing word. It's a doing word. It's a verb. So in Hebrew, the word wonderful comes from the root for miracle. It speaks, let me see, it speaks of the miraculous. It speaks of the extraordinary. It speaks of the supernatural. It speaks that which is above and beyond human ability or expectation. So it's a wonderful car for Julie because a wonderful God provided it for her because it was over and above what she expected. It was wonderful. Speaking of the Lord's salvation, the psalmist writes in Psalm 118, uh, the Lord has done this. This great salvation, this great deliverance is the Lord that has done it. And it is marvellous slash wonderful in our eyes. It's more than it just looks good. It is being done 
before our very eyes. It's a miraculous work of God. And so this, the, the first time uh, this verb is found, guess the book of the Bible, the first time it's found. Genesis, yeah. Genesis, the beginning. And um, it's that bit where um, Abraham has been met by three visitors. Now, whether they were three angels, whether they were two angels and the Lord as a person, uh, but they were speaking to Abraham and uh, they saw Sarah. Let me see if I've, I've got it. It's somewhere in here. It's Genesis chapter 18 because I don't want to, I want to read it proper like. So, uh, the Lord said this. That's why you think it might be that ex- Oh. Just that encounter with the living God. When he turns up and you don't know it and you don't expect it, and then he brings a word. And uh, the Lord says, I will surely return to you about this time next year and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now, Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent which was behind him. Now, Abraham and Sarah were already old, well advanced in years, and Sarah was past the age uh, of childbearing. They were dried up, worn out, old. Impossible for them to have a baby. So Sarah laughed. God speaks a word. Sarah laughs at the word to herself as she thought, After I'm worn out and my master is old, will I now have this pleasure? Then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, will I really have a child now that I'm old? Is, verse 14, is anything too hard for the Lord? That word hard. Is anything too wonderful for the Lord? Is anything too miraculous for the Lord? Is anything too extraordinary for the Lord? Is anything too supernatural for the Lord? Is anything above or beyond human ability or expectation? Well, yes. But the word is there, this wonderful word. See, God has brought a promise to Abraham and he's got a purpose for Abraham, and God wants to see his purpose and his plan done. So when God has got a purpose and a plan, he does wonderful things because he wants to get his purpose and plan done. So it's a wonderful thing for them to have a son, Isaac. And so this word, this Hebrew word, uh, occurs some 70 odd times in the Hebrew um, scriptures. And it's used primarily with God as a subject, expressing God's actions that are beyond the bounds of human powers or expectations. So when you think through the Old Testament and you think of those things that God did, his wondrous acts like setting the people free from the Egyptians, bringing, uh, performing his wonders. See, we might think there were plagues, but they were wonders of God. 
after I've done some wonders, then they'll let you go. So God's wonderful acts helped Israel, the people of God, to focus their faith on Yahweh. God's wonderful acts showed his power. God's wonderful acts helped the people to know him. Through his wondrous acts, they got to know his nature. God's wonderful acts judged his people's enemy, his enemy. So this wonderful God must be responded to in a positive way and not ignored. And so when we consider our our great king, our great God, Jesus, who is a wonderful counsellor, then it seems only right that we are, more than anything else, a people of praise, a people who speak out and extol the virtues, the goodness of God, because God himself is wonderful. And so it says in, in Chronicles, so David, it says that David in Chronicles appointed some Levites to minister before the presence of God, the ark of the Lord, to thank God, to praise God, the God of Israel. And he appointed some people to do it. And then he says this. So David, who wrote loads of psalms of praise and stuff, he says this, give praise to the Lord, proclaim his name, make known among the nations what he has done, sing to him, sing praise to him, tell of all his wonderful acts. Everyone say, wonderful acts. Remember the wonders he has done, his miracles and the judgments he's pronounced. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvellous or wonderful deeds among all peoples. And at the same time, this wonderful God does not require anything of his people that is too hard, or shall we say, too wonderful of them. Yeah? In Deuteronomy, God speaks through Moses and he's speaking to them a command. This is what I want you to do. This is who I want you to be. This is what I want you to live like. And then he says this, Now what I'm commanding you to do today is not too difficult. It's not too hard and it's not too wonderful for you. It is not beyond your reach. No, the word is very near you. It is in your mouth. It is in your heart so that you may obey it. So the wonderful God who does wonderful works among us, who calls us out of our doom and gloom, out of our despair, out of our darkness, into his wonderful light to be his wonderful people, is not too heavy a weight. Jesus once said, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. And you can think, what? Jesus, you're the most challenging, annoying at times person I know, and yet it's an easy yoke. And yet what you're asking me to do, whatever God is asking you to do, whatever the Lord is asking you to set down and put aside, it is not too hard, it is not too wonderful, because his Grace is sufficient. God will enable us to do what he asks us to do so that we can do them. They are not beyond us because 
He is wonderful. He is at work in us and through us. We can live and move and have our being in him. So, God is basically saying in that thing, through Moses, in that thing, that passage of scripture, sorry, in other words, I do honour it, in other words, says this, listen to my word, listen to my counsel, listen to my advice, listen to my wisdom, and do it, live it. Thank you, Rob. Wow. So there's a call upon us. Now, this messianic title, speaking of Jesus as God and King, Messiah, the Anointed One. It means that as as we read the pages of the Gospels, the accounts of the, the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus, we see that Jesus does and says many wonderful things. Would you agree? Anyone quickly name a wonderful thing that they just go, yeah, Jesus did that, quickly. Raise Lazarus will do me. Raise Lazarus from the dead. Lazarus was dead. He was dead. And then wonderfully, he was alive. He did turn one. Yes, I can see how that can be wonderful. Yes. Turning one meal into more. Fantastic. So, do we agree Jesus is wonderful? And he's a wonderful counsellor. The word counsellor means to advise, advise well. There's no good in going to a counsellor and having bad advice, is there? So it's to advise well, to give guidance, to give purpose, to give plans, to give wisdom. Where do you go when you need some wisdom and some advice and some encouragement and some plan and some guidance? Where do you go? (laughs) Well, we can go to human counsel. So when we go to human counsel, I want to say it's suggestion. So if you come to me and ask my advice, I will suggest something to you. I might suggest it for some of you sometimes, really strongly, but other times I might not be so strong. You know who you are. (laughs) The thing about wisdom and counsel, it lacks in our world because we live in a world of information. We have information overload. There is no lack of information. You can Google information. Like, what did we do before Google? You can get loads of information from everywhere. Everywhere you turn, you can be informed about something. You can hear someone's opinion. But information is not the same as wisdom. It is not the same as godly advice and wisdom. We need to be discerning, to discern, to work out what is wisdom and what is information. See, information is there, but wisdom knows what to do with information. Stupidity also knows what to do with information, and it's normally a bad thing to be done. So I want to I suggest to you that human uh, uh, counsel is 
suggestion. It's giving one's opinion on how best to deal with a particular situation, issue, problem, plan, uh, making a decision. Okay, Proverbs tells us that for lack of guidance, a nation falls, but victory is won through many advisors. There's wisdom in getting lots of advice that plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. I want to say about Proverbs, Proverbs is an awesome book of the Bible. It is full of wisdom. It speaks about wisdom. It, it tells us to basically run and get wisdom, get rid of everything else and just get wisdom. Wisdom is so important. Wisdom is a person. But sometimes you'll read a proverb and it doesn't quite work in your situation. That's because, in my opinion, they are general principles. And, and wisdom and advice does depend on who you're asking, whether you're getting good advice or bad advice, godly advice or evil advice. And when we read um, the Proverbs, they are general principles. And sometimes in our specific, it doesn't, because of the, the nature of life and creation and other people, it don't always work out, but generally, generally it does. So whoever we go to, whoever we ask, whatever advice we receive, we must be responsible for our own choice and own decision. You're not allowed to, well, I know people do, but you're not allowed to blame someone and say, they made me did do it. No, they didn't. Now, they might, people might want to manipulate you, might want to control you, might want to dominate you. Jesus' name, don't have it. Uh, he's given you a mind. He's given you will. He's use it. Use them to make your own choices and decisions. And if it goes wrong, own it. If you're married, husband and wife, as best you can, do things in agreement. Even if, even if you uh, submit to one another out of reverence for Jesus... So that if it works out, you can celebrate together. But if it goes horribly wrong, you are not blaming each other or accusing each other or saying, you made me. No, if you're married, if you're in a team, as best you can, make the choice and decision together and own it. Now, God's counsel is different from human counsel. I want to suggest that God's counsel is command. Basically, he's the wisest one we know. His wisdom is awesome, so we'd be silly to ignore it, wouldn't we? Now, the prophet Micah was a contemporary of Isaiah. Around the same time, and so about 700 years before Jesus was born, or thereabouts, he wrote this in Micah chapter 4, verse 9. Hopefully, all the PowerPoint notes will be on the website so you can see them later. And he asked this question, why do you cry out aloud? Have you no king? Has your king or your ruler or your counsellor perished? The pain that seizes you like that of a woman in labour. Why do you cry out and act in pa panic, Micah's saying? 
like you've got no help, like you've got no protection, like you've got no guidance, like you've got no king? Why do you cry in pain and agony going, what shall we do? Doom and gloom, despair and desperation. Why do you cry out? Well, it's because you have rejected your God. You've rejected your king. So Isaiah and Micah are joining forces and saying, look, you are running away from God. You're not living in a... um, Alliance with God, agreement with God. uh, What's that word? Alignment with God. That's the word I'm looking for. Alignment in harmony with God. You're not living like that. But God will rescue you through the tough and difficult times. Why? Because God has got a purpose and God has got a plan. And you are his people. Why do we do that? Why, look at the time, why do we do that? Why do we as God's people reject God? Why do we reject God's purposes and plans? Why do we reject his wisdom? Why do we think our purposes and plans are better? Why do we want God to bless what we want to do and how we want to do it? That isn't what, that's not the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is that there is a king who's got wisdom and counsel, and we better get in agreement with him and alignment with him if we want things to go well. If we want God to bless what we're doing, it's another religion you're looking for, like what we want. It's God's purposes, it's God's plans. We submit to him, get in agreement with him, and then they become our purposes and plans. We start owning what God already owns. Can you see the difference? It's subtle. We can get caught up in our own purposes and plans and want God to bless them and wonder why it don't work out. Because we aren't actually submitting and surrendering to our king. So we need to be those that are of a mind to repent break agreement with what we think, disagree with ourselves, disagree with our family of origin, disagree with our peer group, disagree and agree with God, the only wise God, the supreme advisor and counsellor. God's plans will succeed. His kingdom will last forever. His authority will be forever of the greatness or increase of his kingdom, but our purposes and plans will fail and come to nothing. God's purposes and plans will succeed, even if all of hell comes against it, even if people persecute, even if people do terrible things. The fact is this, God's purposes and plans will be fulfilled. Uh, In the book of Acts, Jesus' disciples are being persecuted and there's some Jewish leaders there, they want to kill them. But then this Pharisee named Gamaliel, something like that, he's a teacher of the law. He was honoured by all the people. He stood up in the Sanhedrin, that ruling council, and he ordered that the, the disciples of Jesus put them outside. And then he addressed the Sanhedrin, he said this, in the present case... I advise you, so it's, it's a human advice, 
Leave these men alone. Let them go. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. And then verse 40 of chapter 5, brilliant verse says this, his speech persuaded them. They just thought, oh golly, we don't want to be fighting against God. We may not like what they're doing, we may not agree with what they're doing, but if this is God, I'm getting out of the way. Because if it's not God, it will fail. But if it is God, I'm not going to get my head kicked in, is basically what they were saying. So no human plans can succeed if it goes against God's plan. No purpose of God can be thwarted by choices made by human beings. By God's grace, we have a wonderful counsellor. Hallelujah. One who is all-powerful, one who is all-knowing. So let us not be unwise but be wise. Could we possibly have the last uh, PowerPoint screen up, possibly? No. Okay. So, (laughs) excellent. How to... Wonderful. So, very quickly, I will just... How do we receive from our wonderful counsellor? How do we receive from our wonderful counsellor? First one, ask God. Book of James, chapter 1 says, If any of you lack wisdom, you should ask God, who gives to all without finding fault. He's not going to say, you stupid idiot, why are you coming to me? He's going to go, come to me, get life, get wisdom, I will advise you. So, ask. Like, don't think you know it all. Think, I know nothing. Awesome. I know nothing. God knows everything. Let's go to him. God's word. Uh, I feel a bit like I'm teaching you to suck eggs, but do we do it? Read it. Read it. Listen to God's word. Read God's word. Memorise God's word. Meditate on God's word. Speak about God's word. Take God's word seriously. Read the Bible. The psalmist says, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. So you know, not sinning against God, we're actually doing the things that God wants. So when we've hidden his word in us, we will live like God wants us to live. We will do the things that God wants us to do. And we will say the things that God wants us to say. Because it's in us. We're drinking it in. We're eating it. Um, how to receive from our wonderful counsellor. Even though I said about um, human, uh, human advice and counsel and that, it's a good thing. God's people, the counsel of the saints. So choose wisely who you talk to and ask advice from. It's probably best not to ask someone who you don't know and has just come to visit one week and you think, well, they're in the building, so I might as well ask them. You know, think about people whose life you look at and think, yeah, they've got something I haven't got. I wouldn't mind being a bit like them. Not that we're any of us are perfect, but there's, there's something about getting into accountable relationships with the people of God, mentoring relationships with the people of God, joining a, a godly community and being disciples of Jesus where we can speak to one another uh, the truth in love with respect and reverence, where we can listen to one another. You know, listening to someone else is such a gift to them. 
When was the last time you got listened to? I bet it didn't make you feel bad. I bet when the last time you got listened to, it made you feel wonderful. And if you haven't been listened to for a while, like, I'm sad for you. Because we all need to be heard and listened to. And God uses our ears to hear. It's a gift. God's people. Ephesians um, 4.15 says this. Speaking the truth in love, we will grow. We will grow to become in every respect the mature body of Jesus who is the head of the church. And mature people look like Jesus, speak like Jesus, do the things that Jesus do. We need each other to help us become mature. So even the people that rub you up the wrong way and wind you up, this too can help you grow and mature, depending on how you react or respond to them. Are they being a gift to you by the grace of God or are they just being a pain in the backside? If we change our thinking and think, this too will shape me, but how will it shape me? Will it shape me to grow and mature me or will will I allow it for me to send me back to my old self and get bitter, resentful, unforgiving and angry? The choice, as they say, is yours and mine. God's presence... Be still and know that I am God. Just get into God's presence. Be with him. Sit in silence and stillness. Go into the secret place. If you want to receive from your wonderful counsellor, we need to know him. We need to be in his presence and just know him and enjoy him and receive from him. Like I don't know how many times have I felt stressed, overwhelmed, burdened, and then I go into the secret place, I rest in the presence of God, and everything changes. Nothing externally has changed, but everything in my inner world has changed because I've allowed uh, the king to come and be wonderful to me and bring me counsel that does me good. Get away, be quiet with God, take time. If, you, if you're just starting out, do it. I remember when I felt I'm such an extrovert, I want to be with people, and I just took myself away. Two minutes seemed like an eternity. But I, do you know what? I thought if it's good enough for Jesus, Jesus was able to be with the crowd and to be on his own. It's a good balance of life. So if you have always got to be with people, you need to balance it out. If you've always got to be on your own, you've got to balance it out because we need to meet with God's people. And then, um, lastly, quickly, trust and submission to God. Proverbs 3, 5 and 7. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him. Some versions say acknowledge. It's, acknowledge is just simply not good enough. Oh, hi, Lord. <laughs> I'm just going to go carry on doing what I'm doing. When you submit, it's completely different. You submit when you don't agree. You submit when you don't want to. That is true submission. If you agree with someone and you want to do it anyway, that is not submission. We only submit to God when he's asking us to do something that we don't want to do. Think about it. So, in all your ways, submit to him. 
it wouldn't be wrong to use the word know him. Know him. Be aware of him. Be intimately acquainted with him. And he will make your path straight or he will direct your paths. Different words are used in the Hebrew, but or he will guide you, advise you, counsel you and give you wisdom, wonderful as he is. So, do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. So we have a wonderful counsellor. We do not have to carry on in our doom and gloom and despair. We do not have to live in darkness. He came to bring us out of darkness into his wonderful light that we might live on planet Earth now knowing our wonderful counsellor and living in harmony with him. And we will be able to bring wonderful counsel to others as we receive it from him. Amen. Thank you, Lord, that you are our wonderful counsellor. Amen.